And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It's Thursday, December 2nd. And uh, we are here to take the, I don't know, like maybe some of the anxiety that you might be feeling about your money. I feel like people are very anxious lately, Mark. And, and it's so weird to me. Like I did a bunch of radio hits on Monday, right? And that was after like the Friday after Thanksgiving and the markets went down by two and a half percent or something. And I went on, I do, I do 18 live radio hits every single Monday um, with markets all around the country for CBS radio. And Mark, I would, I kept saying to people, well, you know, the market's still up 22%. That was coming into the session on Monday and everyone seems shocked. It was like, what? It is? I just want to point this out. We're in a three-year run for the stock market that is incredible. In 2019, the S&P 500 closed just a hair under 29% higher in 2019. Last year, when the blank was hitting the fan, the S&P 500 was up 16% on the year. And now we're talking about a more than 20% return or 20-ish percent return. I, I mean, I don't know how much more you guys want. It's crazy, right? And it's so interesting to me because it is one of those things where you, if you're not paying attention, if you don't know, you get, you get wigged out by the down days. And yet we've had a lot of up days, guys. Let's take a deep breath. Can you do that? Okay, let's get to the questions. If you've got a financial question, shoot us a note. Go to jillonmoney.com, jillonmoney.com, and click the contact button. Let's bang out some emails today. This is from Sarah who writes, Hi, Jill and Mark. Good idea or bad idea? I'm thinking about buying Series I bonds. The current rate is at 7.12%. My current savings account is only earning half a percent. Um, I'm thinking about keeping my six-month emergency fund in the savings account until the money has been in the uh, Series I bonds for at least a year, at which point I can take the money out if I have an emergency and the penalty would be three months of interest, which I can live with. Thinking my husband and I will both put the 10 grand in in December of this year, then another 10 grand in January, total 40. If interest rates continue to be good, I would consider doing this each year. What do you think? Mark, what do you think? I'm for it also. They've got a bunch of moolah 
in traditional retirement accounts. She's trying to convince her husband to put the new contributions into the Roth. You know, she's 45, he's 53. They got $2.4 million in traditional. Maybe you're in a very, very, very high tax bracket, but husband of Sarah, let's go. Come on now. I think that you can do a little, let's do a little Roth. David writes, oh wait, I had to do a more, what does people say? I talk too fast. I go from one to the next. Let me do a breath. Ready? (sighs) There we go. David writes, what are my options in getting short-term financing to purchase a new home and then sell my current home? Okay, here's what David wants to do. Wants to buy a new home for 350 grand. He wants to get the stuff moved from his current home, then complete some repairs over the next one to three months. Then he'd sell his current home, which he owns outright, and he'd net 250 grand after fees and then use that to pay off or pay down the new home. Without going into a lot of personal life detail, (laughs) which, you know, essentially is what I need, David goes on to write, I do have about $2.5 million in investments that could cover the cost of the new home, but I need to draw on the funds for living expenses and would rather not take the capital gains right now. Hmm. I've been unemployed for four years. I recently started uh, receiving $30,000 a year of social security disability. I don't think I qualify for a traditional 20% down mortgage of 280. Here we go. I also own a second property. It's worth $500,000. I could, for example, take out a HELOC on some of the money, but again, I suspect I'd have trouble originating the loan showing only $30,000 of guaranteed income. Is a bridge loan what I need? Some other product? How do I shop for it? What? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. So here's the thing. I think get the stuff moved out from your current home and complete whatever the repairs you need to make for the one to three months. And if that means you rent something short term or what have you, like even if you bought a new home, would you actually be able to move into it right away? I don't know if this makes a lot of sense. Let's say that let's go with his plan for a second. If he really did want to purchase the new home, you're right, you, you will not qualify for a mortgage, but you would be able to take a home equity line of credit out on the second property. That really only requires you have equity. It doesn't actually require a, I don't think it matters that you would have just that guaranteed income. So you might want to grab some money from there. But the long story short is you have two and a half million dollars. There's no reason why you shouldn't use that. If you're unwilling to use the money in your investments, that seems crazy to me. If you really, really want an idea that's kind of loopy, and if you really don't want to invade the investments, again, let's presume this is a taxable account because you say you don't want capital gains. So I presume that's a taxable account, not a retirement account. You might be able to get an asset-based loan against that $2.5 million. But- <laughs> Who cares? Why not take the capital gain right now, actually? And let's go back to that. In some respects, that might be the smartest thing you could do because you're you're in a low capital gains bracket. So why not pay 15%? Big deal. Zero or 15%, not knowing what I don't, because I'm sort of thinking that maybe that other money that he has in the investment account pops him up into the 15% bracket. But, you know, listen, gang, If you're looking at a 15% capital gains rate, I don't know why you wouldn't pay that. That's what I would do. Emily writes that she wants to better understand how to optimize her health savings account, her HSA. And uh, she says, I searched your site. I found a podcast from 2018 that touched on this, but I have some additional questions. 
Per my dad's advice, I've been maxing out HSA contributions and investing the funds rather than using them to cover current medical expenses. That's pretty smart, actually, because it grows without any taxes. Emily's 34, and she says, I assume I'm going to have much higher medical expenses in the future, so it probably makes sense to invest the money, get the tax savings, and use the funds in 20-plus years, years when I will really need them. But I never hear about anyone talking about HSAs. It doesn't seem like any of my friends use them. So I want to make sure I'm not being crazy. You're not being crazy. I love this idea. HSAs are essentially like having a Roth account for health expenses, except you don't have any limitation on age. You put the money in. It grows without any taxation. If you take it out to pay for qualified medical expenses, there's no tax due. It's amazing. And Emily's already maxing her 401k. She's got 12-month emergency reserve fund, no debt except a mortgage. Uh, she's got $10,500 in her HSA, $500 in cash, and $10,000 invested. I love this. I love the plan. I love the idea of using an HSA. I don't have one available to me, sadly, as someone who's self-employed. So that's just a bummer. But anyway... I love the idea. I think it's a great way to save extra money on a tax-efficient basis. It's fantastic. Okay, Mike writes, my wife has a $50,000 universal life insurance policy with $6,700 cash value. We haven't paid any premiums into the policy for several years. We've let the cost reduce the cash value. We're both age 62. We're in good health and I am retired. Okay, with our savings and retirement accounts, we have no financial need for life insurance. With no additional premium, this insurance policy will run out of cash value at my wife's age 84. Should we treat this policy as term life and let it run out since we have no financial need or should we cash it out now and invest it? Cash out and invest it. I'll take that 6,700 bucks. Just double check to see whether or not you have any tax liability. Okay, because it's an old policy, there may be some, but I would check that before I cash it out. Okay, here's Betty who writes very proper and formally, dear Ms. Schlesinger. Oh, by the way, Mark, I have had to really go crazy on some people who I've been trying to say, look, it is hard to pronounce my name, but you just please listen to me about it. It's always a little bit of a gamble not giving them the pronouncer. Here was the worst pronunciation that I got recently. You ready? And now, next up live, CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger. There's like a double C-H in there. Sless. Sless. S-L. Pretend there's no C-H in there, gang. Schlesinger. All right. Betty says, Dear Ms. Sl Ms. Schlesinger, Betty writes, I'm 45 and I'm in the 22% tax bracket. Let's see where that is exactly. Let's presume Betty. I think Betty might be single. 22% tax bracket for a single person starts at $40,526. It goes to $86,375. By the way, tell the slot that I want a new my new forms mailed to us. Um, okay. My employer will be adding a Roth 401k to our current 401k in 2022. They match 100% for the first 3%. However, the record-keeping and administrative fees, approximately $70 annually, are paid by the employees. Should I stop my 401k, currently fourth year in the plan, and switch over to the Roth 401k next year? If I switch to the Roth, I'll be paying the plan fees for both accounts. 
I'm debt-free. Should I opt to make the after-tax contribution now so taxes aren't deducted when I do withdraw from the 401k during retirement? I also contribute to a regular Roth IRA. I don't know if the benefit of a Roth 401k applies to me. If it does, should I be paying two plan fees as a deduction from my employer's contribution? What do you think, Mark? You want two fees? Okay, Mark says forget about the fees and just do the Roth 401k. That's it. And don't worry about it. It doesn't seem like that's big a deal. You're going to have such a huge tax benefit from this. So I no. Mark says no. I say no. I agree with you, Mark. That happens every so often. (laughs) All right. I'm taking a deep breath. Mark says I got to take a deep breath. Ready? (sighs) This has been a great program. It is Thursday. And we are very much looking forward to um, hearing from you. All you need to do is go to our website, jillonmoney.com, and click the contact button. If you do that, we'll get your message. If you want to come on the air, Mark will do the rest. So please, easy to do, bookmark jillonmoney.com. And while you're there, you can subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. Now, it seems to me, Mark, that considering that we have, I don't know, six or 700,000 people downloading downloads in a given month, maybe we have more, I don't even know where we are at this point. We need to get more people to sign up for the free weekly newsletter. And I even would have an idea about the free weekly newsletter. I think we should have guest contributors to it. What do you think? I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, people who are guests. Maybe Goodman. Maybe um, Brent Weiss. Maybe uh, Slot. Maybe, you know, like just adding people in who just want to write a little something and have something in there, like a little special for Jill on Money listeners? I don't know. I kind of dig it. What do you think? Okay. So who else can we put in? Maybe we should put in some uh, some peeps. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. Okay. That's it. That's the program. I got to stop now. It's too much. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Please, please, please do something nice for someone else today. Grit, growth, grace. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.